0: Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Kristen Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the just talking about all about the one, the ones that we come into contact with, the ones that that the Lord allows us to be able to engage in conversation. And not only that, but the one being him it's all about the one so let's get our eyes on jesus and then let's get our eyes on the mission that god has put before us because no matter what's changing in the world and no matter what's happening and and no matter how you feel right now about the situations on on uh, the earth or in our country i said last week to us that for the church our mission has remained the same the mission is the same Go into all the world. Come on, can you say it with me? And do what? Preach the gospel and make disciples. That does not change, no matter who's in the White House. It doesn't change, folks. And so we're going to stay after the mission, and one of the things, the mission of God, one of the things that I felt is we could spend some time talking about all about the one and answering questions that people have. People have questions about God, people have questions about the Bible, people have questions about eternal life, and yet sometimes I feel like the church is ill-equipped to respond to those questions that our friends might bring to us. And so I I committed to you that I was going to begin to put together a series of teachings that would help all of us be able to sit down with friends or engage in conversations on the street and do it in such a way where we would bring the kingdom of God to bear on our conversation that our conversations would be redemptive instead of destruction, destructive. How many of you know we need a few more redemptive conversations? Yeah. How many of you have fallen into any destructive conversations recently? People wanting to take you out for what you said here or there on the, you know, and, and I'm just saying, here's an opportunity for the church to rise up and actually do what God has called us to do. And so uh, I'm committed to do that. And uh, I put together a message this morning to answer the question, is God real? And uh, And I'm not going to preach it today, or I'm only going to preach part of it. Because as I was before the Lord this morning and just thinking about this message and and, uh, how to equip you, because that's what these messages are going to be, uh, messages that equip you to answer that type of a question. Is God real? Does he really exist? And I've got the whole message put together right here. And the Lord said, but you've left a few things out uh, in order to enable the people who are going to be listening to what you have to say Uh, in regards to how they can actually employ the message that you want to bring and the way that the Lord brought that to me and you might be interested in this was uh, just this uh, past week uh, I had Hudson my grandson over and we were just hanging out me and Hudson we were doing some sledding and and things of that nature and uh, we came in and uh and so uh, his father, uh, my son, Matt, says to him, in, you know, we, we need to leave in about an hour, Hudson, and, and so start getting yourself ready, okay? And Hudson said, what's an hour, Dad? And so I went over to the clock, and I said, Hudson, this is an hour, and I was trying to show him how to tell time. Now, he's only a four-year-old, and he can probably tell you every dinosaur that has ever roamed the earth. And he can tell you all of the planets in our solar system, but for some reason he can't tell time. And so uh, so I was trying to instruct him uh, in, in regards to how to tell time. And as I was doing that, the Lord reminded me of an incident in my life as a six-year-old. Now, some of you know my story. I was raised, uh, my mom and dad had six kids, and uh, my father went to work every day, and my mother was the traditional homemaker uh, after being uh a, prior to having children, a a professional secretary, but she would stay at home with the kids and dad would go off to work. And so one income family, six children, do the math. uh, Sometimes things were a little thin. So whenever we would open a new box of cereal, uh, back there, back in those days, cereals had prizes in them. You know, you would open different cereal boxes and there would be a prize inside. But because my mom had six kids, every, you know, you had to stand in line and not everyone could always get the prize. And so you had to wait until it was your turn. And so there was this one time that the Lord reminded me that, that uh, as we opened the cereal box, my mom looked at me and she said, Chris, it's your turn to open the prize. And I said, yes. And I opened the prize. And you know what it was? It was a watch. And not just any watch. It was a Dakota watch. It could decode spy messages (laughs) it was an amazing watch and I strapped that watch onto my wrist and I went out and I'm playing with my friends and one of my friends says hey Chris what time is it and I look at the watch and I realize I didn't know how to tell time and I said I don't know but I can decode any spy message you give me so one of the older kids in our Neighborhood Marauders took me aside and he said I'm going to teach you how to tell time and he empowered me and he equipped me and he made me able to be a time teller and so whenever the kids in our neighborhood whenever we were out playing or anything like that and, and they needed to be home at a certain time I became the man they would turn to me and they would say Chris what time is it? I'd tell them the time and some of them would have to scurry off or some of them said well I can keep, keep playing And so I I use that as an illustration to say to you that I hope these times, uh, I hope they're going to be conversational in the sense that I'm going to be sharing with you in a very low-key, easy manner how to address some of the questions that people are carrying. Why? Why do I want to do that? Because I want to empower you. To be able to have confidence in the Lord. See, when when I was able to tell time, how many of you know as a young man when it came to time, I became a fairly confident guy. I knew time. I knew how time worked and I had a watch and I was good. So I I, want to impart to you Things that I've learned along the way or things that I've picked up along the way or things that others have taught me along the way that have empowered me to be able to share the gospel with people in such a way that I can answer their complex questions. And a lot of these questions, when someone asks you, is God real? I mean, it's not simply a test to see if you've read your Bible. It's, 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 they're really perplexed. They're really wondering. Sometimes they ask, is God real? Because they've gone through a traumatic thing in their life and, and it seemed like God wasn't there. And they're like, well, is he real or, or, or is he not? Does he exist or, or doesn't he exist? Is it just a figment of my imagination? Or can you guide me to, to have an encounter with one that you think is real? And all of those things, I want to empower you. I want to equip you. But more than all of that, I want you to be confident in God to be able to navigate those conversations. I've been talking to a few people, and last week we concluded by simply asking God to begin to open doors for us to have conversations with people about faith and conversations with people about God. And and I'm just curious, because a few people have reached out to me, but how many of you had God open a door for you? Look at this, look at this, look at all the doors, look at all the doors. I told you, you pray this kind of prayer and God typically answers it very, very quickly. Why? Because he loves people. And he wants all men to be saved. And so if you say, God, would you open a door for me so that I might share the good news of Jesus Christ, that I might share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you pray that prayer in sincerity, get ready. He's going to open doors for you. So have you ever thought to yourself, well, you know, I have questions about God. I have questions about God that never go away. How many of you ever have questions about God? You know, just because you're, you're born again doesn't mean you can't have questions about God. How does God work? Why does God let this happen? Why does God let that happen? Th- these are all kinds of things. And, and, and you know, I, I, I just want to equip you and make you ready by addressing some of what I will call the central questions um, about God, about the Bible, about Christianity, about faith. And, and again, the goal being that, that somewhere along the line, every one of us will just feel a little bit more confident to sit down and open the Bible and talk to people. Amen? Amen. I mean, that's, that's what it requires. It requires that the body of Christ in this hour be mobilized. And remember last week I said three generations ago, the church abdicated her responsibility to engage the culture three generations ago we abdicated our role in society in culture we separated ourselves we got within our four walls and we said we will do our thing you stay out there and do your thing and and in abdicating our role what has happened is we have seen a decline in our society. We've seen a decline in our educational system. We've seen a decline in our governmental systems. We've seen a decline across the board because the church stepped out of the way. And my admonition to us as the body of Christ is if you want to see change come, change isn't going to come if you hide behind your four walls. Change is going to come when the church of Jesus Christ recognizes her role on the earth and rises up in the midst of that and raises her voice and takes a stand for the glory of God and begins to declare the truth wherever she goes. Am I making anybody uncomfortable yet? Some of you might be saying, well, Chris, and we were laughing about this last week, don't we pay you to do that? And kind of, yeah, you do, but you also, you also, I'm here to equip you. I'm here because God has asked me to be here, not because I get a paycheck. Now, don't take this literal, but even if I wasn't getting a paycheck, I'd still be here. (laughs) Elders, deacons, be nice. You understand, the call of God on my life is what drives me, not my paycheck. And so I would be here regardless to encourage you as the body of Christ to recognize the hour in which we live and the call of God upon our lives. So, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, all of that is just to set us up for this morning for me to preach something other than I prepared. Okay? Actually, I prepared this part. Are you in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7? Okay. It says there, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let me read it again so you see it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's only two paths that you can go on. You can either live in the fear of the Lord, or you can live a foolish life. It's your choice, it's my choice. A foolish life is a life that does not look to God for the answers in life. They live independent of God. They live uh, pursuing their own will, their own way, their own desires. They don't want to have God be part of any of the mix. And, and even if they invite God in, they only want God for the blessing. They don't really want God for anything else. They don't look to God for guidance. And, and according to the Bible, it says that, that kind of folk is, is they're, they're, they're foolish. What does it say, but folks? It should say, but fools. Okay, that's my fault. Okay. But folks, despise wisdom. If you're a folk, you're in trouble this morning. Whoa. That's on me. That's on me right there. I made that slide. Yeah, that's all on me. But the fear of the Lord. Let's talk about the So what is... The fear of the Lord. I know you probably have your definition, I have my definition. But the, the Hebrew word there, let's get off that slide and let's get on the next one, okay? The the Hebrew word for fear, there you have it, means to shrink back in awe and then to lean forward in wonder. Both of those are very, very important. A lot of times when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we take the front part. Oh, shrinking back in awe. God, you know, that's only part of the definition. The other part of the definition is to lean forward in wonder. Let me give you an example of what that's like. A number of years ago, uh, there was a young man who was getting married on the West Coast. And so Joan and I flew out to San Francisco because the family had asked us to come out and and actually officiate at the wedding. And so we did. Now, we flew into San Francisco, and the trip to where the wedding was going to take place was about two hours south of San Francisco, and we intentionally flew into San Francisco because we wanted to rent a car and drive down Route 1 on the... uh, um California coast which is just one of the most amazing roads you've ever been on. It's windy and it's right along. You, you have cliffs that come up from the Pacific Ocean and you're way up here and the Pacific Ocean is down there and as you're driving there's whales jumping in the distance. I mean it was just absolutely amazing. And so we're driving and, and I'm just into it, and, and I'm, in a, uh, I'm in a rental car, but I'm, I'm envisioning that I'm on a motorcycle. And, and so I'm on this windy road, and Joan is like, "Can you slow it down just a little bit?" And I'm just, "Just lean, honey. Just lean, just lean, just lean." So finally we come to a rest area where I said, I, "I've got to get out and I've got to take this all in. It's just so beautiful. And so I got out and uh, got out of the car, and Joan said, I'm good here. I'll just I'll look from here. And, uh, and, and um, this road, if you, how many of you have ever been on Route 1 in California? It, it, a lot of times there's no guardrails. It's just, it's just cliff and down. So, so I walked, from, and here the expanse of the Pacific Ocean is in front of me. And I'm like... And, I, and I'm just walking like this, and there's the edge. I know the edge is there, and I'm just like, I just, I want to take it all in. And I start leaning forward in just wonder. I'm like, oh, and then I go, oh, goodness. When the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's like God saying, Would you just lean in and see the wonder of who I am? And as you do, don't be surprised if you move back in awe. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. That's what that word stands for. Now, having set that in place, would you go over in your Bibles to John's Gospel. Because this is where we're going to, this is what the Lord asked me to do this morning. I want to bring two terms to you that are in the Bible, spoken by Jesus, that I think will better prepare you and I to actually do what we're talking about doing. So you can just leave that slide up if you want. We don't, we're not going to go any further on, on those slides today. So, John's Gospel, and um, why don't you join me in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel. Then I'm going to bring some context. I'm going to give you two terms, and then we're going to pray together, okay? John's Gospel, 14th chapter, 15th verse. I'm teaching a class uh, in the morning, Sunday morning called The Ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Life of the Believer. And so some of these notes are going to be taken from that. So those of you who are sitting in that class, you're going to hear me repeat some things that, that I said already this morning to you. But it starts in verse 15, and it says, If you love me, keep my commands. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Or he will give you another Comforter, or he will give you a paraclete, one who will come alongside, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be uh, in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, here's what I felt like the Lord said this morning as I was preparing for this message, and I was ready to just launch into it and talk to you about how do you answer the question, is God real or does God exist? And, and I felt like the Lord just kind of pulled me up short, and he said, if, if you're really wanting to equip the saints to be able to answer that question, you have to go back and help them begin to see what it is that prepares them to take on questions like this least they just try to resource it in their own wisdom and in their own understanding. And so what I want us to see is the necessity of the Holy Spirit and His ministry in the life of every believer in this room. So important that we get this. There's two terms that that Jesus used. The first term was this. He was talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. You can find that in John chapter 3. Nicodemus comes to Jesus early on in Jesus' ministry. It says of Nicodemus that he was a teacher of the law. A teacher of the law meant he knew his Torah. He knew the word of God that was present at that time. He understood it. He was a ruler of the people. And and yet he comes to Jesus because he has questions. And he says to Jesus, he says, well, you know, who are you, basically, is, you know, who are you? And and, and he's saying, I, I, I've listened to your teaching and I've seen your works. You must be a man sent from God. To which Jesus says, and these will be my paraphrase and you can read it in its context in John chapter 3. He said, Nicodemus, the reason you're so perplexed about who I am is because you are not born of the Spirit. You must be born of the Spirit if you intend to see the kingdom. And, and, Nicodemus looks at him and he says, what, what are you talking about? Do you expect me, to, a grown man, to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Because that was the term Jesus used. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. If you're going to understand and understand who I am and, and understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the kingdom of God. And so he, he goes to Jesus and says... What are you talking about? He's, he's confused. And Jesus says it again to him. And he says, he says Nicodemus, you will never enter the kingdom unless you are born again. So what does that term mean? What does born again mean? Mean, what does it mean to be born of the spirit? To be born of the spirit is when God through his son Jesus Christ brings you into the experience of salvation whereby your old life is done away with and your new life begins in Christ Jesus. You become what Paul said, a new creation who has the spirit of the living God dwelling within you, who is the spirit of truth and he will guide you into all truth. And if you have never had that experience, you'll be like Nicodemus. You, you may have a whole lot of knowledge in the Word of God. You may have a whole lot of understanding. But when it comes to answering people's questions, you won't feel empowered. You won't feel confident. You'll feel weak. You'll feel like, I don't know how to do this. I think I'll just pass them off to Pastor Chris. Thinking like I know what I'm doing. But I want to suggest to everyone here that it is God's intention that if you truly want to be his disciple that you must be one who is born of the spirit and being born of the spirit is what happens when you ask Jesus Christ into your heart and you ask for forgiveness of sins when you are born of the spirit one of the first things you will experience in your life is the joy of forgiveness When you ask Him to come and be the Lord and Savior of your life, listen, you can be in church all of your life. And if you never ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you will not be born of the Spirit. And you'll have a whole lot of head knowledge. And you might be very religious. But being born of the Spirit enables, according to Jesus. Now, these are his words. And you can verify it in John chapter 3. According to Jesus, being born of the Spirit brings an enabling in your life. Where the Holy Spirit allows you to not only see the kingdom, but enter it. Not only able to see what God is doing but to enter into what God is doing. Are you tracking with me? And when you were born again, the first experience, how many of you remember that moment where you said to Jesus, Jesus, come, be the Savior of my life. I am a sinner, and I am in need of your forgiveness and grace. How many of you remember praying that prayer? As simple as it was. And how many of you remember the rush of the joy that forgiveness brought into your life, the breaking off of the bondages, the breaking off of of the things in your life. But not only do you experience the joy of forgiveness, but I know for me, I experienced the joy of purpose in life. I suddenly realized, I, I suddenly began to understand what it was and why it was that I was on the earth. And I remember having this conversation. I've shared some of these stories with you before, and, but for those of you who are relatively new to Zion, um, I, I want to just share this one, that when Joan and I gave our hearts to Jesus, and you all have heard the story of how God just moved in and supernaturally just set us free from our addictions and our sinful lifestyle, we became so desirous to be about the Lord's business We had just bought a new home, brand new home, on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. We owned two vehicles and a motorcycle. I never leave that one out. We had everything. We were working two good-paying jobs. We had everything that a young couple, you would think, and we had a couple of dogs, okay? And God said, if you stay here, you will dry up on the vine and wither, and there will be no fruit in your life. And so I said, where should we go? And at the time, Joan's father was in Connecticut and he was pastoring a church that was just filled with a bunch of hippies just like us that were getting swept up in the charismatic renewal and God said, that's where I want you. That's where you'll be discipled. That's where you'll be trained. That's where you'll be equipped and that's where you will grow. That's where you will come into purpose in life and fruitfulness in your life. So guess what Joan and Chris did? We put our house up for sale. We sold our Volkswagen Beetle, kept the van and kept the motorcycle, priorities. <laughs> Got rid of the dogs. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Gave them to a nice family. <laughs> Packed up a, lo- a van and, and headed off to Connecticut to become part of a thriving growing church and I remember as I was saying goodbye to my mom and dad my father was walking me out to the house uh, out of the house to the van and God had done this work of restoration between he and I I was the rebel of the six I was the rebel and um, and yet God when I got saved restored my relationship back to my father it was just a beautiful thing. And we're walking out, and, and he said, Chris, he had his arm around me as he's walking me to the moving van. And he said, I want you to hear this. He said, I don't understand a thing that you're doing, but I love you. And I said, Dad, and these were, this was early on in my journey in God, I said, I must be about the purpose of God. And he said, okay, and he let me go. See, when you come into relationship with God, he doesn't just save you. He gives you purpose. He gives you reason. And the reason I felt this was so important to talk to you about this before we just launch into figuring out how to answer questions that people do it from the place of, of, of not the joy of your not only the joy of your forgiveness, but but the joy of having purpose in life. See, when when Joan and I got saved, it was like now we knew what all those longings and desires were about. Now we understood why God had us on the earth, and we got about the business of the Lord. And in so doing, we discovered this. And it took us a while, but we discovered that we had a destiny in life. And until that destiny was fulfilled, that we weren't going anywhere, so we better get about that destiny. You know, a lot of times we just want to go and be with the Lord and get out of this and check out and, oh, Jesus, take me home kind of prayers. But here's what I've discovered in my journey. I'm not going anywhere until I've fulfilled my purpose and destiny in God. And boy, it's it's been fun. I don't know how your Christian experience has been, but God has enabled and, and allowed Joan and I to travel all over the world, tell other people about, kingdom of God and Jesus Christ he's allowed us to live in what I believe is the having traveled to other countries the best country in the entire world that's in trouble and needs help and you know where that help's going to come from the same place your help comes from where does your help come from the Lord maker of what heaven and earth and guess why you are here in the United States You have a purpose. You have a destiny to fulfill. And it's to be able to be a light set on a hill so that all might see. And the enabling power to do that comes through the Holy Spirit. The second term that I draw your attention to, and I I invite you over to the book of Acts, is the term being baptized in the Spirit. And I think this is really important for the church in this hour. So you must be born again. I will never shy away from that message. That is the message of the gospel. That is why Jesus came. That is why Jesus died for your sin and my sin. It's why he hung on a cross and bled. But he was put in a tomb, and on the third day he rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father so that you and I might be born of the Spirit, that we might be born again. And experience the life of the Spirit dwelling within us. But Jesus also taught His disciples, very powerful, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, And being assembled, they were all together, all of the disciples, with Jesus. This is after His resurrection. He's been teaching them, we know, as we study Scripture, that He's been teaching them all about the kingdom of God for 40 days. Imagine that seminar. That would have been a great seminar. I wish I had the notes, okay? So he's teaching about the kingdom of God, and he says it com- he commanded them, and that's so important. Go back to what I just read. If you love me, you will obey my commands. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say wait. Wait, wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. In other words, he's prepared them and he said, listen, when all of this goes down and and I resurrect and I come back to see you, I'm telling you it's all for a reason. It's for your good that I go to the Father because when I go to the Father, he will send you the promise of the Spirit of God. For truly, John baptized you with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus says, listen, wait for this. The promise of the Father is coming. The promise of the Holy Spirit is coming. When I ascend to the right hand of the Father, we will send Holy Spirit to you and you will be baptized. These are Jesus words. Now he said you must be born again but now he's talking about another experience. He's saying not only must you be born again but you must be baptized in the spirit. That word baptized is the word baptismo. When we baptize somebody here in water, do we sprinkle them with water? What do we do? We fully immerse them in the water and then bring them up in newness of life. Amen? Jesus uses the same word. He says, there's an experience for those of you who are born again. And this has been a contention within the body of Christ. And I'm telling you right now, those who do not believe in two experiences are missing out on something. Because Jesus teaches it differently in two different parts. And he says, when I come, I am going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with faith. That's a scary thing. That's why I like to say fire that way. <laughs> that word baptismo, the word that Jesus used, that Luke translated into the book of Acts, is translated in the book of Luke as power, o dunamis. He says that word baptismo means in the Greek it was used to describe what happened to a boat that sank that went under the water, that it was no longer just sailing on the surface. It sank, it was under, and the influence of the water was not only without, outside it, but within it. It was fully immersed. And what Jesus is saying is, there's an experience that I want you to experience. You need to wait for it. I'm going to call it the promise of the Father, and it's going to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, he, and, and so the disciples go, cool. So are you going to restore the nation of Israel now? (laughs) Missed it. They missed it. They were still trying to interpret their experience in the natural realm. And Jesus is trying to bring them into the supernatural. Folks, we still do that today. Sometimes we get our eyes so fixed on what's happening in the natural realm that we forget that God has called us to be a supernatural people. And the only way that you and I can be supernatural in that sense is to be born of the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit. Because he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. How many of you know what that word witness translates out to be? What do you think a witness is? Sylvia, you were not supposed to answer that question. I knew you knew the answer. A lot of times we think, oh, witness, isn't that a sweet little thing? The the idea of being a witness for Jesus, I get to stand up and tell other people about Jesus. And it is that, but it's so much more. That word witness that Jesus used in the book of Acts actually is suggesting that you would be willing to be a witness of his even to the point of martyrdom. Pretty bold, huh? How many of you say, sign me up? Let me be a part of this. So here's what I'm going to leave you with today. Why does God see and believe and teach that it is important for you and for me to be not only born of the Spirit, but baptized in the Spirit? Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not just a theory. It's not just a feeling. It's not just to be categorized as a theology. But it's meant to be a vital resource and experience in the life of the believer. Holy Spirit wants to make you, wants to make me an effective and present and powerful force on the face of the earth through the empowering of Jesus' presence in my life and the power of the kingdom. See, when he says, be born again, he's saying, I want you to experience something. I want you to experience what it means to be born of the Spirit. When he says, be baptized in the Spirit, he says, I want you to experience something. I don't want you just to be be, uh, satisfied with being a child of God because when you are born of the Spirit, you know what you become? You become a son of God. You become a child of God. You're, you're, you're brought into the family of God. You come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You are born of the Spirit. But when you are baptized of the Spirit, not only are you a child of God now, but hear me, you are an agent of His kingdom. Remember that spy watch? It's like you get a spy watch, but better. You become one who is now not only a child of the king, but you are empowered with his very presence to go forth into the world to extend the kingdom of God wherever you go for his glory. So why do we want to answer questions like, is God real? Because I want to. I want to be able to help those who are questioning, is the Bible real? Should I read it? Should I, you know, uh, you know what happens when you die? Those kind of I want to be able to answer questions not to wow them but to bring them into an experience with the kingdom of God. And so this morning I just I don't know where my worship team is but come on up. I want to do two things and then next week we'll we'll actually talk about how do you talk to people about is God real? Does God exist? Because uh, for some people, some of you are like, isn't that like a duck question, Chris? Listen to me. I'm telling you that, that we have a society right now over the last at least three generations who has been working very hard at ruling God out of everything in life. He's been ruled out don't pray to him don't do this don't do that don't talk change the name I, I remember um, when Anna was in college you know my Anna and she's a very influential person and so she was graduating getting her degree and they were talking about she was one of the seniors and you know she's she's uh, you know very influential within her class and so they're, they're talking about the ceremony itself, the graduation ceremony itself and um, and they're going through the different... Well, who's, who's going who's gonna to bring the... We, we need somebody to bring the opening prayer. And Anna's sitting there, and all of the professors of Alfred are there. And she raises her hand, and they go, yeah, Anna. She goes, oh, my dad can do that. And they said, okay, good, check the box. Would you get in touch with your dad and let him know that we're expecting that he's going to come and he's going to pray for the graduation. So Anna calls me up. She says, Dad, I volunteered you to pray at my graduation. I said, awesome, who do I need to talk with? Well, you need to talk to the president of the college and stuff like this. And so I started the process with them. And you know what they immediately began to tell me? How I could pray. And they said, well, listen, when you pray, don't mention God. And I said, well, how can I pray and not mention God? And they said, okay, concession. You can mention God, but don't mention Jesus. I said, how can I pray and not mention Jesus? And they said, well, can you send us a written prayer? We'll edit it for you and send it back to you, and then you can pray it that way. And I said, well, I'll send you my prayer, but I can't guarantee that I'll read the edited version. So I... Because, uh, you know, I wanted my, here's my little girl. She's saying, Daddy, you're going to do it, right? You're going to do it, right, Daddy? She's thinking, you're going to evangelize my entire class, right, Daddy? <laughs> this is my last chance to change Alfred State, you know. But why do I, why do I close that way? Because here, here's the thing. See, even in the higher realms of education, they're ruling God out. You're pushing them to the side. They don't want to have anything to do with God because once you have to deal with God, you have to deal with His authority and you have to deal with His kingdom and they don't want to do that. So long story short, and then we're going to pray. I got the edited version back. They took out God. They took out this. They took out that. And so I stood up. I had the original version. I read the original version. I prayed the original prayer. Because I'm thinking, what are they going to do? Kick me off the campus? I'm leaving anyway. My daughter's done here, so. She can't get in trouble. She'll have her diploma. And I just, and Joan Joan will attest to this, I just prayed the prayer. I prayed an apostolic prayer out of the book of Ephesians prayed that God would illuminate the eyes and the hearts and the minds of everybody there that they would come into an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and encounter His love and His mercy. And I finished by going, in Jesus' name. Right. <laughs> and I went and sat down. Now here's, here's the I, all of that to say at the end of it I have six Professors come up to me and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. I'm gonna get it now. This is after everything. And one of the professors said, Listen, we were just we just want to talk to you for a minute. And I'm thinking, oh, I just want to celebrate my daughter's graduation. They said, No, you we've been through a lot of graduations. They'll hear me. They said, We've never heard anybody pray like, like that. And it's one of the professors looks at me and he says, it's, it's like you know the God that you prayed to. And I said, well, I do. And he said, really? And I said, well, you can know him too. And he says, well, let's not go that far. Brother. I said, no, but you can really go. And, and this is what he, he said to me. He said, can I have a copy of that prayer? Because if I ever get asked... To pray at a graduation, I want to pray your prayer. And I thought, well, what'll hurt? Here, I said, have the original, make as many copies as you want, and pass them out amongst your colleagues. He said, I think I'll do that. Now I don't know what happened, but I'm thinking, well, what's, it, what's it hurt? If he stands up there and prays that prayer, maybe at one point or another he's going to have an encounter with Jesus. My point in all of that is to say, listen. What gave me that kind of confidence? What gave me that kind of boldness? I believe it's because I'm born of the Spirit and baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I want that so badly for everyone in this room. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ and received the fullness of His forgiveness and the joy that comes with it, this morning, hear me, you must be born again. If you want to enter into the things of God, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And so I appeal to you today, don't just sit in church and listen to messages week in and week out and not let it change your lives. Repent of your sin and make Jesus the King and Lord of your life. And if you've never been baptized in the Spirit of God, I wanna pray for you today that you would be baptized in the Spirit of God and be given a fresh boldness and confidence in God as the fullness of God just not only indwells you but overwhelms you. Jesus said it'll be like a river of living water flowing out of you. And everywhere you go, there will be a life force that attends your life and you'll change the lives of those around you. So let's stand to our feet as we close. And I'm gonna ask a couple of things. You know, I always do this, so don't be bashful. If you wanna give your heart to Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to the front. Come to the front right now and say, I want to give my heart completely to the Lord. I want to be born again. I, I, I don't want to play church. I, don't want to, I want to be born again. I want God to be the center of my life. I, I ask you to come forward and say, well, can't I do that in my seat? Yeah, but listen, if you do it in your seat, it, it's, it's just like God's wanting so much more. So just respond to Him today. I don't know who's here that needs to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. But if you're here this morning and you've never been born of the Spirit, I invite you to come forward and just ask God to be your Savior. Just ask God to be your King. Just ask God to be your Lord and Savior. And experience the joy of His forgiveness, number one. And if you've never been baptized in the Spirit of God or you just don't feel the fullness of His Spirit upon your life this morning and you just want a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost on your life today, I'm going to invite you to the front. Come on up and just we're going to pray over you and just ask God to release a fresh boldness and confidence on your life so that you can be His witness, that you can be empowered by the Spirit of God. I'm going to ask different ones to come up and begin to pray over you that are here come on, come on the fullness of his spirit he wants you to move with unfettered boldness and confidence in God that's why he said to Timothy he said, he said to Timothy he said son remember you didn't. when you received the spirit you did not receive a spirit of timidity but of power and of boldness and of a sound mind power and love and a sound mind So come on, we're just going to wait a few minutes as people come forward. You must be born again and wait until you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite some of you who feel anointed in this particular area to pray for people, to come up and pray for people, lay hands on people, release the presence and power of God. Holy Spirit, we come before you. I thank you, Father that this is your desire for your church, that she might be empowered, that she might move in confidence and boldness in this hour. And Lord, for those who stand before you today in the expectation of not only being born of the Spirit, but being baptized in the Spirit, Lord, you said that if we would ask you, that you would give it to us. So those of you who are here today, just ask him. Jesus taught it this way. He said, listen, you have a good father, and if you ask him, He will give you of the Spirit. So just ask Him, God, I just need Your Spirit. I need Holy Spirit in my life. I need the fullness of the Spirit upon my life. Then next week, we'll get after the questions. But right now, we want to be empowered and equipped with confidence to do all that God's called us to do. So Holy Spirit, come. As people lay hands on you today, just with expectation, receive, and you say, well, Chris, I don't know if I felt anything. This is not about a feeling. See, in the church, sometimes we teach it, you got to feel something. No, you don't have to feel anything. When you got saved, I did talk about the joy of forgiveness. But sometimes faith is what has to be motivated and, and, and engaged right now. We have to, by faith, believe and receive. And so by faith, just receive it. Just say, Lord, I receive the fullness of your spirit. I just receive it. I receive the fullness of your spirit. So Father, we thank you for it and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. We hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God today. Again, this podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canada, New York. If you'd like to learn more about us, find us at our website at zionfellowship.net or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Also feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450. Blessings to you as you continue in your day.